0: Well, good evening everyone, great to see you in the house of the Lord tonight, and uh, I love Wednesday night, and uh, it's just a great time to come and uh, enjoy the fellowship we have with one another, and also to enjoy fellowship with God, and uh, with the not only the presence of God, but also the Word of God. Now I want to make something clear tonight, and uh, I want to announce this in no uncertain terms. I am at a severe disadvantage tonight. <clears throat> And I don't know what I'm going to do. Somehow or another, I forgot my glasses at home and my smartphone. So I can't see and I'm stupid tonight. (laughs) (coughs) So I don't know how to get around it. I found a pair of reading glasses in my office that I've left in there for probably, they're in my office when we were in Baker. These go back 20 years probably. (laughs) my eyesight has not gotten better since those days it's gotten worse so uh but anyway i found them and uh i think i can get by but if i mispronounce a word tonight or leave out words just don't please don't hold me that accountable give me some latitude tonight and uh we'll do the best that we can thank the lord so um i want you to stand with me tonight i'm going to read from the word of the lord and uh as we pray over this bible study tonight um we have a prayer request to submit to you does anybody here besides me remember when high neighbor was crefasses does anybody remember that besides me and three or four people uh i remember when i was a kid going to the first church on victoria drive what is the high neighbor there at winburn and victoria used to be crefasses well there's a family member of theirs jeff um co-worker with sister wanda peterson needs prayer tonight and we want to pray for jeff when we pray over the word of the lord tonight and if you would remember that it would certainly be appreciated turn with me to luke chapter 18 luke chapter 18 (laughs) i'm gonna fight with these glasses and y'all laugh at me if you want it's okay i've got thick skin and i can take it you know whatever but uh i'm not used to this right here um Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You Never give up your prayer life. You never give that up. No matter how discouraged or anxious you may be, you never give that up. Saying, there was in a city a judge who which feared not God, neither regarded men. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. I want to use tonight our theme for prayer that we launched this year. And uh, we've had the little booklets printed, and it's just simply called Pray First. And I want to take advantage of the opportunity I have tonight with the Word of God to teach that again, to remind us of it again. And I just simply want to title this, Pray First. Everyone say, thank the Lord for the Word. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. I want to thank my favorite author, Max Locato, for this material. Let me introduce our scripture text in this way. I want to make it relevant to where all of you will understand. The judge owned a gated mansion in the Hamptons. His swimming pool was shaped like a dollar sign. He smoked Cuban cigars, wore Armani suits. He drove a 911 Porsche Carrera coupe with a personalized license plate that bore the words, My Way. He was on the payroll of every mafia boss and drug dealer in the area. They kept him in office, and he kept them out of jail. They gave him votes, and he gave them a free walk. It was a sweet setup. He was a crook. This judge was a crook. His mother knew it. His priest knew it. And his kids knew it. And God knew it. But the judge couldn't care less. He never gave God a second thought. Or an honest person, a second chance. According to Jesus, this judge was truly a scoundrel. He certainly didn't care about the widow, the Bible said in one translation in that same town. There was a widow who kept coming to this judge saying, Give me my rights against mine enemy, King James says, avenge me of my adversary. We're going to call this woman that Jesus referred to, we're going to call her Matilda. Matilda. She had a homely look to her, her hair tied back in a bun, a plaid plaid dress, old jogging shoes that appeared to have been rescued from a yard sale. And if the judge was a Cadillac, Matilda was a clunker. But for an old clunker, she had a lot of horsepower. She was determined to escape a certain adversary. Could have been a bill collector, could have been her landlord, it could have been an oppressive neighbor. Someone had turned against her. Someone had resolved to take her to the cleaners. She pleaded her case with this person, begged for justice with no success. She exhausted every possible solution. Finally, she sought the assistance of this judge. Every morning when he stepped out of his limo, there Matilda stood on the courthouse sidewalk. Excuse me, Honor, can I have just a moment? When he exited his chambers, Matilda was walking in the hallway. Judge, I need your help. At Ruth's Chris restaurant, where he ate lunch every day, she approached his table. Just a few moments of your time, Your Honor, how she got past the maitre d', the judge never knew, but there she was. Matilda even sat in the front row of the courtroom during trials, holding up a cardboard sign that read, Can you please help me? During his Saturday morning golf game, she walked out of the bushes near the fourth green. Your honor, excuse me, but I have a request I would like to make. She tapped him on the shoulder as he walked into the symphony. Pardon me, sir, but I need your help. Matilda was also very annoying to the judge's wife, and uh, she hounded the judge's secretary. And finally, they said, do something about Matilda. She's a pest. She's getting on our nerves and we can't take it anymore. In the Bible, one translation said, For a while, the judge refused to help her. So one day when the coast was clear, she, he dashed from his office to his limo and jumped in the back seat only to be confronted by you-know-who. Matilda was in the car and he was stuck. He took one look at her and just sighed that deep breath of just disgust lady don't you get it i don't like people i don't like you i don't even like god for that matter i give god no time there's nothing good in me and you just keep asking me to help you and matilda interrupts and says but your honor just a a small favor and he growled through clenched teeth he said i will do anything to get rid of you just tell me what do you want And she spilled out a story that included the words widow and included the words broke and included the words eviction notice. The judge stared out the car window. She pleaded for his intervention. He thought to himself, even though I don't respect God or care about people, I will see that she gets what she wants. Otherwise, she will continue to bother me until I am completely worn out. So, when she finally paused to take a breath, he waved her silent and said, Okay, all right, we'll give you a break. And she said, You will. And he said, Yes, on one condition. And she said, Anything. He said, Get out of my life. Get out of my face. Don't bother me. And she said, I promise. And Matilda was beaming. And she said, Your honor, can I give you a hug? And he told her, No, but she did anyway. And she jumped out of the car and danced a jig on the sidewalk. The dishonest judge rode away grumbling. And we, you and I, the readers, look up from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and wonder, what is this story doing in the Bible? Don't fit. It has no place in the Bible. But I want to say tonight, and I want to make it very clear. It does belong there, because this is a parable of contrast, not comparison. It's a parable of contrast, not comparison. The judge groused, he complained, he murmured, yet even he rendered a just decision in the end. And so Jesus said, don't you think God will surely give justice, to His chosen people when they cry out to Him day and night. He went on to say in one translation, Jesus said, I tell you, God will grant justice to them quickly. God is not the reluctant judge in this story, and neither are you the widow. And that's what we have to understand. The, the story to us don't belong in the Bible because God is not an unjust judge, but neither do we put ourselves in a place of not being the widow either. The story has two sides, if you will. The widow in the story was at the very bottom of the pecking order in the hierarchy and regiment of their justice system. But yet she had nowhere else to turn. And what I want you and I to understand tonight As the people of God, God is not our last resort, hence pray first. He should be our first resort. Everybody said amen. You don't wait until you have nowhere else to turn. You don't fully engage what the doctor said or the attorney said or anyone else said until you've talked to God about it first. Amen. She had nowhere to turn, but as a child of God, you're at the front of the line, and at any and every moment of your life, you can turn to God anytime, anywhere, on any occasion, based on any circumstance, and I would to God we could understand that. God doesn't delay. He's not the unjust judge. He never places you on hold or tells you to call back later. God actually loves, enjoys, and appreciates the sound of your voice. He doesn't hide when you call. He doesn't tell his secretary when he is there to tell them, I'm not here just to get you off of his back. God doesn't do that. God hears your prayers. And I want to say to Brother Ben tonight, he he kind of got over into my Bible study tonight, and it was a huge affirmation for me when I heard his opening remarks. This story is in the Bible to teach this point. Where Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, which by the way, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 is the most highlighted Bible app in Kindle. There's not a Bible, a, a verse that's highlighted more than Philippians 4 6. But Paul said in Philippians 4 6, to be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Anxious is an anticipation. It's an anticipation of something going to happen. It's people living in fear of something that's going to happen. They live in worry. They fret over something that may happen. It hasn't happened yet, but it might. And God said, don't worry about that stuff. He reminds us that he's the one that clothes the lily. He's the one that takes care of the sparrow. He's the one that has all the hairs of our head numbered. He knows our stature. He he knows everything about us. And he knows what tomorrow is going to hold. So he says to be anxious for nothing. But in everything, but in everything... By prayer, number one, supplication, number two. With thanksgiving, let your request, number three, be made known to God. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, not just some things here and there, not things that is outside of your control, not just those circumstances that you can't handle or that emotional weight that you can't bear anymore. God doesn't give a specific criteria that when He wants us to pray, and, and, and make our request known to him, he said, in everything. <laughs> I don't know how else to define that. Everything includes everything. There's nothing, no part of your life that's ever excluded from your prayer list. There's no part of your life that's ever excluded from your prayer list. It doesn't matter how well things seem to be going. You still don't take that off of your prayer list, whatever it is. Your bank account might be in great shape, but don't quit praying for your bank account. Your kids might be doing great, but don't quit praying for your kids. I'm not getting a lot of response back from you guys. I don't know if y'all believe all this or not. If you don't, I'm trying to convince you of it. But he said, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, Let your request be made known to God. With this verse, the apostle calls us to take action against our anxiety, our fear of what's to come. Until this point, Paul has been assuring us of God's character. He's assuring us of God's sovereignty and His mercy and His presence. And now it's our turn to act on what we say we believe. If you believe God is sovereign, if you believe He's merciful, if you believe He's always with you, then act on that belief by praying first about everything in your life. We choose prayer over despair. Peace happens when people pray. Peace doesn't happen when people do not pray anxiety is a byproduct of prayerlessness or as brother ben stated a lack of relationship with god i like to follow the story of the, of the father the dad who was teaching his three-year-old daughter the lord's prayer i've considered praying this prayer myself she would repeat the lines after him of the lord's prayer and finally she decided to go solo and so he listened with pride as she Carefully enunciated each word right up to the end of the prayer. And she said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. That's a valid prayer request right there, buddy. Because I get more of them in a day's time. I would just wish people would take me off their email list some kind of way. And that thing of unsubscribe, that don't work. They get that and ha, 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 ha send him another email next week but sometimes you have those days where that seems like an appropriate request but God calls on us God asks us to pray about everything pray about everything so I want to have you notice tonight the terms prayer supplication and request they're similar but they're not identical prayer is a general devotion. The word includes worship and adoration. Supplication suggests humility. I need God. No matter how well my life may be going, I still need God. It's a byproduct. This attitude is a byproduct of humility. And when you Come to God with supplication. That's what you're saying. I don't care how well my life is going or how good I think I am. I still need God in my life 24-7, 365. We are the supplicants in the sense that we make no demands of God. We simply offer humble request. Now, a request is exactly that. It is a specific petition we tell God exactly what we want. We pray the particulars of our problem. I've always thought, and, and God forgive me, I don't mean to be irreverent here, but if Jesus ever asked a, anybody a stupid question, this is one of them. A blind man approached him, had people bring him from the side of the road to the middle of the street to, to get to Jesus, and when he was... Jesus standing there and the blind man in front of him, Jesus looked at the blind man and said, What do you want? Duh. I'm tired of reading everything in Braille for crying out loud. But the point was that Jesus wanted the man to say it. Just I have been, on more than one occasion, in a restaurant, for example, or even in Walmart, where you hear this three-year-old doing this, (laughs) and the mom says, what do you want? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? Bunch of liars. Every one of you know what I'm talking about. The mom has no clue what the kid wants. She's just bawling or he's bawling their eyeballs out over something they're not getting, but don't stop long enough to say what it is. This is very simple tonight, but too often times we don't get our needs met because we pray amiss and we assume God knows. He does know. He knows what we need before we ask Him. He just wants to hear you say it. And I don't know that I've ever given my kids much of anything when they were growing up just based off of speculation and assumption. And believe me, both of them, if they wanted something, they didn't hesitate to ask very specifically. Size, shape, and color, the whole thing. So Jesus asked the man in Luke 18, later on in our scripture setting, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And one would think the answer would be obvious, but when a sightless man... Request Jesus' help, isn't it apparent what he needs? And Jesus wanted him to, he wanted the man to articulate his specific request. And he wants the same from us. You remember the first miracle Jesus performed? He was at a wedding with his mother and they ran out of wine. She went to Jesus and said, They're out of wine she didn't rail on him for not being captain obvious and can't you see they're out of wine and why do you have why don't you take care of it with me having to say anything about it because god finds pleasure in hearing our petition it tells him that he we need him to do something in our life that we cannot do ourselves and so when the wedding ran low on wine mary wasn't content to say just help us jesus She was specific in her request when she said, They have no more wine. Jesus went on to tell another parable of the man who had guests show up at his house. He was not prepared. He was out of food. So he went to his neighbor and said, Friend, lend me three loaves. He didn't walk over there and say, Can you give me something to eat? Or can you help me out? He made a specific request. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed specifically when he said, take this cup from me. I believe one of the reasons we have this building is because there are so many people a part of Grace Church when we were needing this building that prayed specifically for it. God give us a building and then God give us that building talking about this building i've had a very specific prayer request on my list since we bought this building and i keep praying it and i'm going to keep praying it until it's answered and when it's answered i'm going to tell you what it is but i believe with all of my heart one of these days god is going to do something as huge as giving us this building like he did he's going to do something just as huge in the future pertaining to this building so the friend said, lend me three loaves, not just give me something, either, can you help me out. But he made a specific request, and, and, and it's important that we understand that. So I'm going to give you three reasons why I believe it's important to be specific. First of all, a specific prayer is a serious prayer. It is something that is on your mind, and it's bearing down on you. And you don't like the weight of it, and you don't like being with it or without it, whatever the case may be. So if I walked up to any of you tonight and said, do you mind if I come by your house sometime? Boo and Melanie. I'm just saying. You're not going to take me that seriously, and, and all of you folks here tonight would say, sure, absolutely, you're welcome to come by anytime. You don't really mean that. There some there's some times of the day I could show up at your house you would not appreciate it. amen but if i walked up to boo and melanie and said um i would like to come to y'all's house this coming friday night for dinner and i will be there at seven that changes everything does it not now y'all answer me does that not change everything Do you understand the reason for specific prayer because it's serious? I'm not generically asking, is it okay to come by your house at some point in the future? I'll go walk away and forget I ever said that. But if I say I want to be at your house Friday night at 7 o'clock for dinner, then that is very serious to me and I have a reason behind making that request. Is everybody on board with that? We pray too general. That's why we can't pray very long. Last night at prayer meeting we had a great turnout. But people were pretty much done praying in about 20 minutes. It's because a lot of us don't take that serious. We have a lot of things bearing down on our mind, but we don't take the time to be real specific about those things to Jesus when we're talking to Him. And there's people here tonight that are facing some pretty huge stuff in your future. And I would talk to Jesus about it and be very specific about it. I do. I've, I've taught this, what I'm about to say, I've taught it for years. It wears me out to go to a prayer meeting and hear people spend five or ten minutes just saying, Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, 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 oh, God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I know a lady that can say Jesus one right after another. I know if you counted, it would be three or four hundred times in a minute. I've never seen anybody say the word Jesus, and I'm not making fun, not too much, um, <laughs> but Jesus, 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 g g g, and it sounds like an AK-47 in a prayer ring going off with, with the word Jesus. There's no substance in that no more than if I walked up to Dale after church and just said, Oh, Dale, 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 Dale. Oh, Dale, Dale. if I did that for 20 minutes, Dale, 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 Dale. Oh, Dale, oh, Dale, oh, Dale, oh, Dale, oh, Dale, oh, Dale, oh, Dale. I could walk out of here saying, Hey, everybody, I talked to Dale for 10 minutes. He'd walk out of here saying, Something's wrong with Pastor. And it is amazing to me how we do that to Jesus We don't talk to Him. It's the specific prayer request that you are serious about. And everybody here tonight knows when life crumbles around us, we all know how to get serious with God. But it just takes life getting really messed up before we do. What Jesus is trying to say is don't let life get to that point. Stay serious with me. When you talk to me, talk to me about every part of your life. Talk to me about your health. Talk to me about your diet. Talk to me about your kids. Talk to me about your kids going to school and where they go to school and what grade they're in and what subjects they take and who their teacher is. Talk to me about it. I can help with that. I read the coolest story the other day it just it lit me up a dad told a story of coming home one day and his teenage boy had been trying to dig up a small shrub in their yard and been working at it for hours and he'd beat the roots with the an axe and dig it with a shovel and you know go through all of that womp 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 and and stuff and so the dad comes home and says, son, how's it going? And he's all exasperated, so I just can't get the thing out of the ground. And he said, but you're not using all of your might. And he said, I am too, dad. I've got every tool out of the garage, and I've tried the shovel and the axe, and I've tried the saw, and I've tried this and that. And the dad said, but you haven't asked me. Let that resonate. Let that resonate for a minute. I remember, I'm not He-Man or Hercules. But I do remember a time when I was stronger than Marcus. When he was battling with things and couldn't get it, my strength intervened on his behalf. Oh, at what God can do in just one touch of his hand and changes everything, if we can believe that. You get the point. The second reason to pray specific is specific prayer is an opportunity for us to see God at work. I have to tell you this story uh, before I delve into that point. Let's go back to the dad helping his son. I remember when we built our fellowship hall in Baker. Uh, we were so excited about that. And um, there was um, an encasement of concrete out in the front of that building that was, and it was just trees that had grown up under it and it was pushing up out of the ground. It's where a water meter used to be. It was a concrete encasement, probably an inch and a half thick, walls all the way around the bottom on the whole thing. And I had asked Marcus and Jake and Frazier, two teenage boys, to go out there and dig that thing up. They took a sledgehammer and whatever else they could find, and they beat on that thing I know for an hour, pouring sweat, carrying on. And our sweet brother Alexander, who was then in his mid to late 70s, walked up and said, Y'all get out of the way. Let me show you in his brother Alexander way. I can't do it good, but those of you that know him. And Marcus tells the story all the time in about three licks. That thing was broken into small pieces that they could throw in a wheelbarrow and haul it off. And they're like, how did you do that? It's asking for help from someone stronger than you. It doesn't necessarily mean you're weak. But it means you're not strong enough for that particular thing. I hope all of you can get your head around that. The second reason is specific prayer is an opportunity for us to see God at work. When we see him respond in specific ways to specific requests, it builds our faith. I've told this story over and over. Bill Parsons was in one of the offices right there in the hall. That night we met to consummate the rental agreement on this building. When I walked out of the office, he said, by the way, he said, are y'all planning to build on Blackwater? We had the 19 acres on Blackwater then. And I said, yeah, we are. And we just would like to rent here until we can get that building built. He said, would you be interested in buying this building? Without hesitation. I said, absolutely. Let me go meet with my trustee board and I'll get back with you. I knew he had already told me that they wanted at that time $1.8 million for this building. And we had 60, 65 people. In a church income of around two or three hundred thousand dollars a year. To a lot of folks, it wasn't possible, but I knew someone stronger than me, and it has revolutionized my faith. This building has revolutionized. God gave us something that we could not get on our own, He did it, He absolutely did it. Okay, so you get to see God at work in the book of Genesis. It relates a wonderful prayer of Abraham's servant. He was sent to Mesopotamia, Abraham's homeland, to find a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. So how does a servant select a wife for someone else? A, how do you do it for someone else? But number two, when you're a servant and your master's not happy with your pick, you're in trouble. So he prayed first. The servant prayed about it. He said, Lord God of my master Abraham, Please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, uh, I am standing here beside this spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them. Please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, I will water your camels as well. Let her be the one you've selected to be Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Could Abraham's servant have been more specific than that? I don't think so. He asked for success in his endeavor. He envisioned an exact dialogue. And then he stepped forth in faith, Scripture says, before he'd finished speaking, Rebecca appeared, and she said the words. The servant had an answered prayer. She said the exact words he just prayed. So he had an answered prayer, and he saw God at work. So it is amazing, Michelle, when you pray about a job change situation, and then you watch God work. It's pretty amazing, is it not? Dale is experiencing the same thing. He's been talking to me about a job situation on his behalf. God has come through, oh my goodness, amazing. Amazing. ain't far behind what happened to Michelle. He was very specific in what he wanted. And he prayed about it. It's very specific. And now he is set back, kind of thumping his chest a little bit, not for himself, but watching how God worked. David and Ferris sitting here tonight as a huge example of watching God work. Well, let me continue. The third reason to pray specific is specific prayer creates a lighter load. Many of our anxieties are threatening because they are ill-defined and vague. If we can distill the challenge into a phrase, we can bring it down to size. If it's one thing to pray, Lord, please bless my meeting tomorrow... It's another thing to pray, Lord, I have a conference with my supervisor at 2 o'clock tomorrow. She intimidates me. Would you please grant me a spirit of peace so I can sleep tonight and grant me wisdom so I can enter the meeting prepared. And would you soften her heart towards me and give her a generous spirit. Help us to have a gracious conversation which both of us can benefit and so that your name can be honored. It's a big difference. And it kind of takes the load off. You put it in God's hands. I'll come to that in just a moment. But you have a reduce. You have reduced the problem from this insurmountable, impossible situation into a prayer-sized challenge. What Michelle presented Sunday morning is still mind-boggling to me. I still can't get my head around it. To anyone, anybody that's ever worked in the uh, in the work industry knows that the kind of increase she just got of thirty-eight percent. It's not possible. You're, you're really blessed if you get five or six. Really blessed. But she took her challenge from the arena of impossible to prayer size challenge. So did Dale. You bring it to where, okay, God, is, I'm giving this to you. So this this is no endorsement of the demanding conditional prayer that presumes to tell God what to do and when. I don't believe you go to God with parameters. And God, if it's not this and if you don't do it by tomorrow, I'm not going to serve you another day. You don't do that. You're a supplicant. There's a humility that's involved in it. You leave arrogance at the door, you leave ego at the door. You leave selfishness at the door. You leave self centeredness at the door. You embrace the prayer Jesus prayed in the garden, take this cup, pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. It works. Neither do I suggest the power of prayer residing in chanting the right formula or quoting some secret code. I've heard that taught before. A man told me one time, a preacher told him, if you want the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, you say the ABCs real fast, and by the time you get around to the letter L and M, you'll be speaking in tongues if you say it fast enough. It's ridiculous. God is not manipulated, nor is he impressed by our formulas or our eloquence. Leave the King James Version of your prayer life outside the door, too, and just talk to God normal. He is moved by the sincere request. After all, is he not our Father? And as his children, we honor him when we tell him exactly what we need now watch this peter said in his epistle in first peter chapter 5 verse 7 cast all your anxiety on him why cast all your cares on him why okay notice this the apostle said to cast your care on him has anybody ever had any humorous humorous moments trying to teach a kid how to cast a, a rod and reel for the first time if they got it, don't put a hook on it till they learn how. Because you're the one that's going to get it, trust me. You will get it in places you don't want it. But I've seen Noah and Joseph, and they'll wrap it around their head, my head, Sister Murphy's head, whoever's out there, trying to learn how to cast it. But here's the point. casting, Casting is an intentional act on your part to relocate an object so when i have that hook in my hand and i put a worm on it and i cast it the point is to relocate that worm from my hand to somewhere out in the water where i think a fish might be that is profound that is amazing when you cast your care you put it all on a hook and you go hear god And it's not up to you anymore. Okay, I'm sorry y'all didn't get that. I thought it was a pretty cool point. When the disciples prepared Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they cast their garments on the colt. the Bible said. They cast them. They relocated the object their garments, from their possession to a more worthy place of use. That's what you do with your anxiety, your discouragement, your doubt, your fear. You cast it away. Let this throwing, let this casting be your first response to bad news. Pray first. When you get bad news, before you get all wadded up on the inside over it, pray first. You cast it. As you sense anxiety welling up inside of you, cast it in the direction of Christ. Do it specifically and do it immediately. I remember being in the 10th grade. I did a good job of casting my problems when I was in the 10th grade. When I was in the 10th grade algebra class. I had a brain scan done and it revealed a missing region in my head marked by the sign intended for algebra. It wasn't there. (laughs) I can remember sitting in the class and staring at the textbook as if it were a novel written in Mandarin Chinese. I still don't understand algebra. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's I don't know who came up with it, but they were cray cray or something. <laughs> but fortunately, I had a wonderful patient teacher. She issued this invitation, and she stuck to it. If you can't do it, if you can't solve it, see me after class, and I will help you. And I did on many occasions. And for someone who did not understand, I, I understand it, and I still don't i finished that class and i was very proud to finish with a c with any other teacher it would have probably been a failing grade but she offered her help folks and i took advantage of it i would approach her desk and i would remind her she was the sweetest lady she had two artificial legs we teased her unmercifully she was patient she was kind she was amazing But I would remind her that you promised that you would help. And she said yes. And instant gratitude and relief kicked in on my part. And I still had the problem, mind you. But I had entrusted the problem to a person that knew how to solve it. We need to do the same. Take your problem to Jesus and tell him, You said you would help me. Would you? The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, Put the Lord in remembrance of his promises and keep not silent. God told Isaiah, put me in remembrance and let us contend together. God invites you, yes, commands you to remind him of his promises. Populate your prayer with, You said, God, you said. I've done it for years. I'm not an expert prayer, but I've done it for years. I've thrown the ball on his court virtually all of my life, of, of at least adult years. God, you said. You said in Isaiah 43 verse 2 that you would walk me through the waters. You said you would lead me through the valley. You said you would never leave me nor forsake me. You said that. So find a promise that fits your problem and build your prayer around it, casting your problem and giving it to somebody that can help you. These prayers of faith touch the heart of God and they activate the angels of heaven. Miracles are set into motion. Your answer may not come overnight, but it will come and you will overcome. Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare of life. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. The path to peace is paved with prayer. Less consternation, more supplication, fewer anxious thoughts, more prayer-filled thoughts. As you pray, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. And in the end, what could be better than that? Pray first. Be anxious for nothing when it all closes in when you can't go any further I've been at those times I've had those moments and I've had people say to me on numerous occasions but pastor I prayed about it and nothing happened doesn't mean that nothing is going to happen I've known of poor people poor men that had to ask who their wife is now more than once to marry him. Now, I'm the kind of person, if she would have said no the first time, that's it. I ain't asking you again. Don't do something you're going to regret now. Think <laughs> long and hard before you answer. But some men have had to ask two or three times to get their wife to marry them. but They didn't give up. My brother, one of my brothers, was in desperate need of a job in the 80s in this area when recession was horrible, and he walked into an employer's office, had no ability to sell anything. He couldn't sell air conditioners in the Congo. He just had no ability to sell, and he walked into a very prominent insurance company where Selling insurance was the only the commission was your only source of pay and what have you, and they told him you're not qualified, you don't have the ability to do it. And he said he I remember it like it was yesterday, he looked a man in the eye and he said, You listen to me. I need a job. And because I'm desperate and my family needs to be fed, I can sell anything right now. Just give me a chance. And he turned out to be one of their top salesmen. Just because you turn down don't mean you quit asking. We don't serve an unjust judge. But oftentimes, God wants to know how bad do you want it, and if you're willing to ask more than once. I've paced the front of this building when we were renting it. I'd come up here every day, and I'd pace back and forth for sometimes well over an hour, sometimes two hours, and I had one prayer, and God... You're not going to quit hearing from me until it's answered. And it took 14 months for it to come to pass. But I want this building, and I want it now, and I want it now, and I want it now. Every day I pray that, God, I want this building, I want it now, and I want it now, and I want it now, and I want it now. And it came to pass. I don't know if God got tired of me, I don't know what the deal was, but I got what I wanted. And who cares what all the other things about that is i don't care what else is contained in what i just said i got what i wanted and i feel like tonight if we could unify our faith unify our hearts unify our mind and say god we want to move forward we want to be greater than we've ever been not only as a person but in a family but as a church i want the anointing of the holy ghost i want revival i want to see a harvest of souls i want to see miracle signs and wonders tell him cast it on him Cast it on Him. Rear back and cast it as far as you can. Cast it over heaven if you have to. Cast it over the throne of God if you have to. But sooner or later, God will give us the desire of our heart and we'll persevere and keep moving forward in His plan and purpose. Praise God. I feel a little Sunday morning preach here right now. Pray first. So I'm going to ask you folks again, before you go to the doctor, before you go to the lawyer, before you go look at a house to buy, before you go in for that job promotion, before you go talk to your boss about whatever, come up here and pray about it and see what happens. And there's two byproducts of of prayer, one or the other. Either God will bless you with what you're asking for or he will give you the grace and peace to continue where you're at. You're not going to fail either way. So don't depend on your own ability. Lean not on your own understanding. But take your petition to him and cast it on him and see what he'll do. Praise God. Stand with me tonight. I remember when the church was in Baker, I think Marcus was 16 years old, and uh, he was ultimately diagnosed with an intestinal virus, but for five or six days they couldn't find it and they couldn't find out what was wrong with him. He was in the Lady Lake Hospital and uh, I would stay at home at night and go to work the next day and take care of church needs when I get home from work and then go to the hospital to see him. I go to the hospital and see him at lunch. And it had been a few hours since I had seen him. I visited with him the night before we i believe was a sunday morning i don't remember the days it doesn't matter but uh went to work or went to church whatever it was when i got back to the hospital marcus was dying he was curling up in the fetal position he was his his hands were turning in his feet were turning in he could not keep anything nothing on his stomach and it had been that way food or drink it had been that way now for about five days and he was dying the doctor just so happened to walk in, one of the sweetest men. I referred to him the other day, one of the sweetest men I've ever met. And I backed him up in the corner, and I pointed his finger to his face, and I said, you find out what's wrong with my son, you hear me? I want you to find out today what's wrong with him. Oh, Rev, we're working on it, and, you know, I'm, I'm bringing a specialist in today. I said, you bring in somebody, but he's dying. The other part to that story is I went home and talked to another doctor. I stood in my bathroom when I got home, and I sobbed until I couldn't sob no more. And I asked God, if you're not going to heal him, to let me trade places with him. He's got his whole life ahead of him. I'm not trying to be a martyr, but I wanted him to live. Went to the hospital the next day, and the doctor told me that we found out what's wrong with him, and uh, we can treat it, and uh, he should be back on his feet in just two or three days. I give the doctor a lot of credit, but I give Dr. Jesus more credit. I got desperate, but more than that, I got real specific. I want him healed, and I want it now. And God honored that. It wasn't an ego trip for me. I wasn't being arrogant. I was pleading with God. It was supplication, and God did it. Y'all all all have your stories as well, I know, but I think sometimes we're all guilty of forgetting the amazing, miracle-working power of God. And somehow we resort to human nature and say we can handle this on our own. We can't. The Bible makes it clear implicitly that the very beat of our heart and the next breath in our lungs is subject to the mercy and the kindness of God. And it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you possess. We need God every day. And when anything and everything, you want your spouse back in church, you want your kids back in church, your parents back in church. When's the last time you just had a good, gut-wrenching prayer session with God about it? When? You Got trouble in your home? When is the last time you just got on your face and snotted? I could talk about this for a long time, but it works. God comes through in one fashion or another i'm asking you folks tonight let's rally let's get more god focus let's keep our unity our faith no matter what comes no matter what tomorrow holds we're going to pray first before we do anything else and everybody say amen father we love you tonight and we're thankful for the ever abiding dependable truthful word of god taught it here tonight with all of my heart as passionately as i can if we could understand it if we had embrace it if we would let it work in our lives if we would do it first life would turn out turn out no doubt summarily different and i'm praying tonight god that you would speak to people in this church there's needs in our life tonight they're they're astronomical they're monumental there's folks here who believe that there's things in their life that god can never change you can never change And we prayed about it, and nothing happened. God, help us to have faith and not to faint. To cast all of our cares on you. To not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. Wrap your arms around this church. Keep this church in the palm of your hand. Guide our footsteps. Help us, God, to stay unified all working and moving towards the same goal. I don't know what's on the horizon for tomorrow other than you. Whatever else is on the horizon, you can handle it. And I'm asking God that you would help us to cast our care, relocate our cares to you, give them a new address, send them to you as you've instructed us to do, and help us to do it sincerely, humbly, in the presence of the Lord. Keep us, I pray. Keep us, I pray. Because we need you every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. Great crowd here tonight. Thank you folks so very much for coming. God bless you. Walk around the building. Love one another in Jesus' name. (laughs)